It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking Football. Very good day. Welcome, everybody. Our date is the 30th of the 11th. It's Europe calling with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy talking football. Got some interesting topics as ever. Nice to have your company. Let me give you the weather here. It is uh, a little bit cooler at times, but it's still absolutely glorious. Looking out over the mountain, it looks beautiful. The definition is good. The weather is getting a bit warmer now uh, as the day begins. I'll go due west and uh, I should find Rob Daniels. So here we go. Good morning to you, Rob. How are you today? Good morning, Vince. Good morning, everybody. I'm fine, thanks, Vince, today. And as you say, it's a beautiful day in the sunshine. It's nice and warm. It's a little bit cold in the shade. But uh, this time of year, you can't expect any better. I'm looking over the park at the moment. There's a guy who's just finished out, he's just finished his leaf blower. Hopefully he won't start again while we're doing the podcast. But if he does, I'll just shut the windows for a few minutes. Well, when all's said and done, you know, uh, you should not uh, begrudge a man with his blower if he's going to go out and do his job. Incidentally, uh, with the value of technology, I was able to put the question to Rob just as he popped a handful of peanuts into his mouth. So if uh, any background noise was there, that was what that was. Uh, Rob, I'm already pulling your leg. Uh, Right, we've got lots to talk about, Um, none more so than the midweek games. So uh, let's start with those midweek games. One I watched in particular was Leipzig, uh, or Leipzig, you know the pronunciation better than me, playing against Manchester City. Um, And Leipzig, or Leipzig, 2-0 up, and Man City uh, had to really shake themselves, wake themselves up. Uh, They were playing a sort of... Um, a dilatory game. You could actually see that they were finding it difficult to probably raise the game. You know what it's like after they've had a couple of really hard uh, premiership games and then maybe a trip away or that sort of thing Um, and all the internal things that are going on in the club. Anyway, it was a good game to watch and um, I I did enjoy it Um, and maybe we go to you for uh, a roundup of what you've seen. Right, I enjoyed that match as well, Vince. Um, it's pronounced Leipzig um, because E and I in German is pronounced I and I and E is pronounced E. And just for anybody who uh, doesn't speak German who uh, is interested. But yeah, City looked like they made hard work of it, didn't they? But they came good in the end and won it 3-2. But I think Leipzig actually played very, very well. I mean, let's face it, they're in the Champions League in the first place, but they're not a team that not a household name, are they? No. Well, not, not as far as I'm concerned, no, at either. least. So yeah, that, that but City came. Uh, City were already through actually by that stage. So they did put out a good team, but they didn't need to really do all that much. Even if they'd have lost, I think City would have gone through. It would have just been the, um, first and second place that was up for grabs. As it is, City have got first place. So as that we just said, we've got Champions League matches uh, over the last couple of uh, over the last couple of nights. Um, Sevilla went out um, last night against PSV Eindhoven. Two, three. They've got to depend on the result of the final match. There's one match left for each, each uh, team in each group. And if Sevilla don't get a result in their final match, they don't even get a uh, Europa League place. Arsenal um, whooped Lens, um, which I think Lens, I think is France, isn't it? Yeah. Six nil. Um, Real Madrid again. They won four two against Napoli, but they made hard work of it as well. They were behind for quite a while, and they only came good right uh, towards the end of the match and won it 4-2. So they're top of their group. Um, Man United really made a hash of it, I think, against Galatasaray um, in the earlier match last night. Galatasaray went ahead um, at the beginning of the match, but then City, um, sorry, United went 2-1 up and um, let Galatasaray come back and they ended up 3-all. 
So Man United basically let the lead slip that they shouldn't really have done. Is, um, is, am, I, am I right to uh, point out that the goalkeeper has now found uh, yet another uh, spot on the willing to uh, make it out from the back look stupid uh, book uh, because basically um, he's getting slated by the press at the moment um, for silly mistakes. So uh, was it one of those or was it just another type of mistake? No, it was a, yeah, um, goalkeepers coming out from the back. I mean, it is quite a, um, I don't know why they do it so often, to be honest, Vince, because they, 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 the goalkeepers out there play with their hands or they should be able to play with their hands. But yeah, Manchester United, um, a couple of Galatasaray goals at least were cock-ups by Man United. But credit to Galatasaray, I mean, they're playing at home. Um, I'm not sure where they stand in the table, but Man United are in a very, very dodgy situation. Um, if they'd have won yesterday, they would have been um, guaranteed second at least. But as it stands, I think it's all up for grabs in their group at the moment, Group A. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't United's best night. Um, I enjoyed the match, actually. It was a good match to watch. I managed to watch two of them yesterday. So, uh, while, while I was working, I had them on in the background. Uh, um, I... So, yeah, but I've, I've enjoyed the Champions League over the last few matches. OK. Over the last few nights. Coming Tonight up... we've got the Europa League coming up. Um, which is all sorts of teams involved in the Europa League, which is the second tier down, if you like. We've got uh, early early kickoff. We've got a team called Bakatopola playing West Ham, and then just looking down the list, we've got Rangers from Scotland against uh, Aris Limassol, which is in Cyprus. Later on, um, Liverpool are playing tonight. Actually, Group E, uh, Liverpool against a team called LASK. Again, it's another team that doesn't really spring to mind as exactly where they're from, but I'll find out before the match. Villarreal from Spain are playing Parathonikos Bay. And that said, there's a long list of matches that are being played tonight. Also, the Europa Conference League. I don't think there's too much point as going there because there's a massive list of teams that, except if you're a supporter of that team, I don't think you'll ever have heard of. OK, and uh, just to make sure that we keep abreast of your team's uh, performances, uh, they uh, had another win after going down early um, in their game last night, uh, but they did come through. Swansea had an early goal, 3-1 was the score, and um, your team is looking like it could bounce back if things go well. What do you think? Uh, yes, <clears throat> They are, actually. I mean, we had two draws. We had two draws against the uh, other top teams over the last couple of days. Over the last few days, actually. These have played three matches since the weekend, I think. And um, two draws, and then we won last night against Swansea. I'm hoping that Leeds will get an automatic place, but if they don't, um, at least a playoff place. But we now have difficult lose playoffs are. But yeah, fingers crossed. They're having a good season at the moment. Well, I know Leicester had been flying away. Uh, they only drew last night, so there was two points that you got back against their their tally. Um, right. Well, I'm going to move on because we've got quite a lot to get through today. So here comes our next topic. <laughs> Okay, so um, I was saddened, like so many, when I read about the former England manager, Terry Venables, who has died at the age of 80 following a a long battle with illness. Now, um, in actual fact, I had a a friendship with um, the, uh, the, the songwriter, Tony Hiller, and he had a very strong relationship and friendship with Terry Venables, uh, doing several songs with him, knowing our very, very early times together. And um, they were associated with Reg Dwight in Tony Hiller's office. Uh, Tony Hiller was telling me how funny it was that Reg Dwight was his runner. Now, you might remember the name, Reg Dwight. I'm talking Elton, yeah. Elton John. Oh, and, <laughs> yeah. and on my website, um, I've put this, uh, I think I've put it on your uh, page just above uh, what you did last week, and it'll be just below what we're doing this week, um, so that our listeners can access 
a lovely side to Terry Venables um, because I was able to dig out some rather strange facts that he would expect very few people to even have known. Uh, but of course, I had a confidant in uh, our mutual friend, Tony Hiller. So that was a lovely moment. And uh, I please uh, direct our listeners to listen to that if you can. But um, I'm going to get uh, Rob to tell us how Terry Venables masterminded uh, the England uh, team. So it was to do with the semi-finals of the Euro 96. Just take us a little bit um, to that time and other aspects of Terry Venables, please. <clears throat> right, yes, well, um, Terry Venables managed lots of teams. He was an England international twice, actually. He was a midfielder. Um, and he played for Spurs most of his career, which is why Spurs um, had a, a massive homage to him when he passed away at the weekend. But, uh, yeah, Terry Reynolds in the 1986 um, European Cup managed to managed to get England into the semi-finals, which was not expected because we didn't have a particularly strong team then. But he was very good as a technic- uh, as a tactician. And he didn't really look um, particularly like a football manager, did he? He looked like he might sell second-hand cars or something. And he was always, he was always very suave, the way he talked. He had a London accent. And uh, but he was an excellent tactician, and he managed to get England into the semi-finals of the uh, of the Euro, Euros '86, which at the time was the furthest I think England had got since the uh, 1966 World Cup, which they won. Obviously, since then uh, England had been in other semi-finals, but uh, it was like a triumph in those days. And um, he was very, very well known in Spain as well. I suppose you know that he uh, the, he used to manage Barcelona. He managed Barcelona. Um, in the mid 1980s, I think it was from about 1984 until 1987, and it was uh, Terry Venables who brought over uh, Mark Hughes and uh, Gary Lineker. When Gary Lineker played for uh, Barcelona, it was because Terry Venables brought him over, and um, they actually won the um, Kings Cup. They got into the they got into the finals of the um, what was then was called the European Cup, um, which is now called the Champions League. They didn't win that. But there's a really nice photograph, actually, which uh, you've probably seen, Vince, and a lot of the listeners have. If you haven't, it's worth looking up online. But uh, they just won the Kings Cup, I think it was. <clears throat> and Terry Reynolds has been held aloft by a couple of the players. And in the background, there's a very young Pep Guardiola wearing a Barcelona shirt. Um, and that, uh, Pep Guardiola, I think, was about 10 or 11 at the time. And it, he's modelled himself on Terry Reynolds, his, his managing career. He gave a really, really uh, nice um, obituary um, when Terry Reynolds unfortunately passed away. Um, he gave one in English and in Spanish to Pep Guardiola because they were really, really good friends. But so yeah, Pep been following him ever since he was a small boy. Very sad to see him go. Well, I, um, I I was able to discuss other aspects of Terry's life. Uh, he told me, by the way, that he represented England at every level possible. Uh, that was at you know, the time that he was playing, obviously there would have been other um, things like the under 17s and things probably that um, were brought in later. But um, <coughs> that was one thing that he uh, very, very nicely told me. I mean, it wasn't, you knew that the man wasn't trying to sort of impress anybody. He was just a statement of fact. Um, but of course, other people might not know that he actually had quite a good singing voice because um, obviously that's where. My or our mutual friend uh, Tony Hiller was able to tell me about um, L Tell, which of course even Terry Venables himself will tell you that you know most Spanish people would never mention L Tell, you know, because Tell is a um, it's a diminutive, it's a, it's a friendly way of talking about Terry in English. It's a funny one of those strange, quirky English things that Terry becomes Tell and. Um, you know, uh, he was telling me uh, about certain things that um, uh, Tony was involving him with, with the music. Plus, of course, he had been instrumental in uh, a couple of TV series, which, uh, again, I'm not going to say too much because basically it's all on the website and you can listen to Terry telling me, which is far more important than me repeating it secondhand. Let me tell you about um, the um, the um, former 
LMA, which is the League Managers Association uh, president. Um, and uh, the thoughts are very much with Yvette and all of Terry's family at this time, uh, was what was said. Tottenham Hotspur and Aston Villa, of course, players, they wore their black armbands and gathered around the centre circle ahead of a kickoff time. Um, but, I mean, the, everybody, of course, will express sadness. But really, I think we can also express the joy of knowing the man. Um, you know, I can say at a personal level when we spoke on the telephone just how pleasant he was. And um, basically, um, he is and will be remembered for being England's manager for the best run uh, to the semi-finals of Euro 96 on home turf. So, um, And also, Vince, just uh, out of interest, um, he was a showman, wasn't he? Let's face it, he was a showman all the time. Uh, I, knew, I knew that he'd written a couple of, was involved in writing a couple of TV series, but <clears throat> the last, before he retired, um, him and his wife bought a hotel in Penagula, which is in the Alicante region. And um, they actually had a, a restaurant and boutique hotel in this area. Um, so he was always, always looking for a, always had business interest, didn't he? Always had a sparkle in his eye. Yeah, very sad to see him go. I'm pretty sure that he had an interest in, in the golf in Mariah as well. I think that was um, uh, another of his in, business interests. But anyway, enough said. A wonderful man. Uh, a great, great ambassador for how to behave as well. Uh, I don't think anybody uh, has ever brought up anything uh, which tended to tarnish his reputation. So for me, um, it was an absolute privilege to talk to the man and see. I, I used to see him, obviously, on the TV. I used to like um, I liked the way that he presented himself. Let's move on. Um, we'll go to um, and the next one. Here we go. Okay, now then, uh, Paul Merson, ex-Arsenal, has slammed a pathetic decision. And um, I want Rob to tell us what this pathetic decision is about. So who's trying to do what? So why would he be quite so uh, firm against whatever the idea is? What's it all about? Right, Vince. Well, this is an idea that uh, has been... Brought, out, brought about by the International Association Board, the IFAB, which is another one of these uh, suited and booted uh, office-based people who have come out with the idea of having a sim bin. They get a yellow um, and it's called a sim bin. Okay, just uh, hold the line. Sorry? Just hold the line one second, please. So this is the idea to have a sim bin like uh, rugby, league, rugby league, I think rugby union as well, isn't it? Yeah, both rugby codes have a sim bin and um, it works for them because it's a, a, a different kind of sport, very disciplined. The players go straight to the sim bin because they know what they're there for. <clears throat> but it's not going to happen in football if they, if they bring that out, idea out, is it? They're going to spend the whole 10 minutes arguing about whether they should be in there or not. Um, and as Paul Merson, the ex-Arsenal and uh, England player, as you mentioned, he says what he thinks, does Paul Merson. You don't always agree with him. Um, I don't always agree with him. But on this case, I think uh, I agree with him 100%. And I think uh, most other football supporters will do as well. Because what it's going to do, it's just going to kill the game even more. It's going to make it the most boring game in the world. Um, apart from the fact it, it's not likely to work. I mean, that it's, it, it's just going to slow the game down even further. I mean, we've got VAR at the moment, which is taking a lot of the uh, spontaneity out of the game. If they bring this Simbin in idea... It's just going to make it even more tedious to watch, if you like. I mean, I still enjoy watching football when there's play going on in the pitch, but I don't enjoy sitting around for five or ten minutes while they make a VAR decision, which everybody could see if it was or if it wasn't. And even these controversial ones we often talk about because they're very controversial. And as Paul Merson said, he says, we're talking about people who know the rules but don't have a clue about football. Um, it'll just make people argue even more. And... It will be next if they bring this in, which I doubt they will. But we'll be talking about it. Oh, should he be sent to the Simbin last week or not? Um, when are they going to stop inventing these stupid ideas and um, new ideas that 
they're supposed to make the game somehow better when they can't even get the, the game right at the moment. I mean, football now, I would say, with the VAR system and everything like that and the extra time added on and all the rest of it, it is not the same game as we were watching um, 30 years ago. And I think it was a lot more exciting then. I've got to say, um, I am now questioning in my own mind whether it could work uh, because basically... We've had so many games which, which have been spoiled for people being sent off for silly two red cards, uh, sorry, two yellow cards. And uh, basically, if maybe they had gone in the sin bin and come back out, um, then maybe it might not have spoilt the game. That's my only thinking of how it mm. might work. I do feel that um, Paul Merson, I would take a lot more seriously if maybe he hadn't got himself involved in gambling and drinking and, and silly things, which means that, you know, I don't think there's a clarity in his thinking anyway. For me, if it works in rugby, I think it's about time to learn from the sports where these things work. And I think that it's the, the ill-discipline often caused by referees who do not use the whistle appropriately and allow themselves to be bullied. There, there's a simple answer to it. You, you give them a warning, you give them a yellow card if they don't accept the warning, and you send them off if they don't behave. Now, the, the referees aren't doing this. It, it would give them another quite handy tool. Uh, I was wrong, by the way, about VAR. Uh, but then again, VAR had never been trialled or anything at the time we were talking about it. Uh, VAR certainly hasn't improved the game. But then again, you see, if I was part and parcel of the um, the decision-making pro pro uh, process, it seems pretty stupid to uh, call somebody offside on the halfway line when it's maybe uh, the back of his heel. And as Neil pointed out to me yesterday... Uh, Players don't normally score uh, facing the goal with their heel. So, um, you know, I, I, I can see there could be an advantage. I would need to see how it worked out. And quite honestly, it's just a shame that um, Paul Merson has blotted his own copybook because when you look to listen to people who maybe hasn't um, maybe got the credentials that you'd like, um, you sometimes overlook the reasons why he thinks the other way. So, um, I quite like Paul Merson, to be honest, Vince. He's the same age group as I am. And I know, I know that they were a big drinking gang in those days, and he has been through quite a lot, but he does say what he thinks, and uh, he doesn't know a lot about football. However, what's not just I've just been reading this is that while I've been listening to you talking. It doesn't actually say whether or not the yellow card will be rescinded if they go off for 10 minutes in the sim bin. Now, that's an interesting point um, because it avoided a lot of these silly two, two yellow card decisions. But there isn't anything that I can find immediately that actually says that or not. But it's the discipline, again, about the players. How do you, how do you get one of these um, Larry um, Premier League footballers to go and sit in a sim bin for 10 minutes? He's going to be arguing with the referee for the next 10 minutes. and he's, I, I can't see it working. Um if they give it a trial, we'll uh, have to give it the, the best that we can, won't we? Okay. And, uh, Maybe there'll be a link as we go to our next talking point because uh, I, in my most of my podcasts, I talk about joining up the dots, and I think the dots could be about to be joined up. Okay, now, why did I say that and what am I thinking of? Um, it was a chance remark from somebody who I do respect. Uh, I sent you a picture yesterday of uh, my second son, Andrew, who is a business manager. And he was in a hotel with a couple of uh, legends of Liverpool, uh, Steve McManaman, who came to Spain, and Michael Owen, who came to Spain. So uh, therefore, I was right then, Vince. I did get them. Yeah. <laughs> you, you did. And, I mean, the whole point... Uh, is that, you know, um, there are all sorts of links all over the place if you want to look for them. And I'll come to what Andrew, Andrew said to me the other day uh, as I then first tell you about an article I uh, read, which is, how has Messi's arrival changed into Miami and the MLS? 
And then if there's one thing American sports fans adore more than the teams they support, it's the passion they feel for superstars playing for them. Uh, you've got to think about Michael Jordan, and then you get all these other names, Wayne Gretzky, uh, I think ice skater, um, and then, of course, you add in the name Lionel Messi. And you see, uh, this is all very well, but the Americans are invading the British media. Now, you probably won't see this yet, because basically uh, you probably are more embroiled in the Spanish media, but... If you look at the Mail Online, and uh, it's available for you to look at, what you will find all the time is that they're now putting the American news onto the British website uh, and making it ultra-important, which it isn't. You know, let's face it, what goes on uh, in certain parts of America in the trivia sense are totally and utterly not really relative to Britain, if, of course, you're talking about the huge influx of um, po politicians and political ideas and the woke brigade and all that sort of stuff, then we're talking about something totally different. But uh, don't let anybody think that, um, that there aren't connections if you want to look for them. And so I go to a remark that my son, Andrew, and, of course, uh, other people, but just because we were talking and it's in context... We were trying to talk about these VAR decisions over um, where you're now hanging around for four or five or six minutes while everybody can see what's happened. Everybody knows the decision is, is being stupidly made and knowing that uh, this could be sort of satisfactorily closed down within a minute or two minutes. And the supposition is now being... Uh, maybe addressed that what we're being programmed with is the advertising breaks as more and more American and foreign investors get involved in the British game and other games probably in Spain. I don't know enough about Spanish advertising at the moment. I know enough about British advertising and I know enough about being brainwashed uh, because these are two areas where I have studied and, and been involved. Now, if you're talking about nonsense, it is nonsense for all the players to be standing round, um, getting their muscles possibly, uh, you know, into a situation where they could pull a muscle again very quickly uh, for something that is being reviewed and everybody can see it apart from uh, Bletchley Park who have now spent a fortune uh, putting all the referees uh, into sort of a global status of being the most important part of the game. Now, um, that makes sense to me. We're being programmed to wait for the ad breaks when the Americans start putting more and more and more adverts into the game. Now, let's get your thoughts on that one first. <clears throat> well, Vince, I've never been to the United States, but you have, haven't you? And I, I think you've probably been to see sports matches there. Yeah. But their sports matches, as far as I can see at least, tend to, sp tend to span the whole afternoon, don't they? Like big entertainment uh, events. Whereas football, um, in theory at least, it should be um, 90 minutes of football with a 15-minute break in the middle and both teams going at it, hammer and tongs for the 90 minutes. But it does seem to be getting spread out further and further, doesn't it? And um, the emphasis now seems to be taken away from what's actually happening on the pitch. Well, give me, give me an answer to the specific waiting for a nonsensical decision which could have been made within a minute, now taking up to six minutes, I think, was one that was uh, which I was watching during the week. What, what's your answer to that one? An advertising break for six minutes. Well, it is, and um, they do actually put, when they've got a long VAR decision, and that's going to be a long VAR decision, um, in Spain at least, they do put um, adverts on, generally for other football programmes and other sports-based programmes, but um, not commercial adverts yet. But yeah, it, it is just um, an excuse, I would say, to, to pan the whole thing out and put more um, advertising into people's minds. Um, it doesn't actually... I, I don't take any notice of adverts, really. Uh, in, if an advert spoils what I'm watching, which they quite often do, 
I actually sometimes consciously make a decision not to buy that product. But that's what it's advertised. I don't buy it anyway. But, oh, okay, uh, but you see, you, you've got a brain, Rob, and there's a lot of people just go up at the TV. My main thrust of this is if you look at the intrusion of what America seems to be trying to do, and then we look at the way that people are trying to take over everywhere in the world, um, then you've got to look at no further than America to see a country which, with all its massive resources and all the other things, still hasn't cracked football for men. They've cracked football for women. And what are they also doing? They're absolutely passing tons of advertising in the British media for women's football like they've just suddenly woken up to the fact that what we can do is we can come in via the women's game and if you then look at the number of owners that come from America and then back that up also with the uh, the Arab world and what the Arab world are doing because basically, um, I don't think at the moment that it's just one country that's involved with this. Because, you know, I do object to having to watch the programmes via um, foreign stations and then finding that I can't understand half the time what's being said. And we're being fed uh, all these foreign um, sort of language um, adverts. And if you think about it, I think you can see quite clearly that they are pushing the women's game in an, in, in an inordinate way. The, you know, they've suddenly realised the potential. Get in via the women, as the women in the United States have done. Now, of course, that doesn't work quite so clearly with the Arab world because the Arab world has already made its opinions quite clear about the way they think women are. And what women should be, uh, how, what how they should work, and how should they they behave? They've got to wear certain clothing. They can't or couldn't until very recently drive cars. Are you are you understanding where I'm going with this? And do you agree with me? I understand where you're going uh, with this, Vince. Yeah, I mean there are two sort of um, distinct um, cultures involved, aren't there? Really, um, the Americanized sort of commercial culture, and then obviously what the uh, the Arab world is trying to do with the game of football. But uh, we were speaking a couple of weeks ago, weren't we, about the um, Saudi Arabians um, putting in a bid for the next Women's World Cup because now they've got a women's team. Now, all they're interested in, I think, at the end of the day, is revenue, isn't it? Um, they're, they're not particularly interested in um, the sport. Well, they, I think they are, to be honest. The, the Saudi Arabian public um, and people of Saudi Arabia have been interested in football since it first began. They've been at several World Cups um, for many, many, many years ago. And um, but all of this recent um, promotion of women's football, it is quite obvious that it's just like a money-making... Uh, OK, idea. Rob, let me come in uh, because I've got, I, have, I have a team of very, very interesting people with all sorts of different expertises. And one of our, our team, uh, Terry Whitehead, is adamant that there is a battle going on uh, with the fact that if everything goes to electricity, uh, which, of course, the electric car and the way that that's been pushed, um, if everything's going that way, um, the Arabs aren't going to be selling their oil uh, the way that they've had the monopoly and the way that they've been able to um, put the money into the likes of um, uh, Henderson's 700,000 per week salary for a footballer who's over the hill. Um, I love, uh, or, you know, uh, in, in the nicest possible way, I, I used to like Henderson as uh, a member of the Liverpool team, but the money is atrociously uh, wrong. And basically, I think it was all part of this. And as Terry says, if it's to do with trying to make sure that they can get some leverage somewhere in the world, if the oil leverage goes, uh, makes sense to me, this. That makes perfect sense. And uh, if anybody hasn't listened to uh, any of other, Vince's other podcasts, Vince does have some very, very interesting contributors on all sorts of different subjects. But uh, Terry Whitehead... Um, is a very, very knowledgeable man on all sorts of different subjects, and he's well worth listening to. Lovely. He's also got a good sense of humour. So, um, but yeah, he, Terry knows a lot of things, and I would agree 100% on that. If the oil he looks like it's either going to run out or people aren't going to be using it, 
then they're looking for the streams of income, aren't they? Well, they are, which is why they're throwing so much stupid money at um, retired footballers to build a league that probably I just... Well, I know in my lifetime it's not going to happen. Right, we're going to go to La Liga next, Rob, if that's OK for you. Yep, fine. La Liga Roundup with Rob Daniels. OK, Rob, over to you. Right, Vince. Well, at the moment, uh, in the Liga, they play 14 matches each. There are a couple of teams who've only played 13, but generally it's 14 matches. We've got Real Madrid at the top, 14 matches, 35 points. Girona, the team that we've been talking about recently, the smaller team, which is up there at the moment, also on 35 points, just in second position on goal difference. Then Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Athletic Club, Real Sociedad, Real Betis. And going down the table, um, there's no real surprises up there. And down at the bottom, there are a couple of teams having really, really well, three teams having really, really bad seasons, actually. We've got Almeria, 14 points. At the bottom, 14 points. 14 games, sorry, and three points. Um, they've lost the last five in a row. They, they haven't won a match all season, to be honest. Um, they've had three draws and 11 losses. Um, Granada um, on seven points. Celta Vigo on eight points. And then we've got Mallorca on ten, and it goes up. So uh, there's... Plenty going on mid-table as well, but it's still early in the season. This weekend just gone by. Athletic Madrid beat Mallorca, so they got the three points. Real Madrid beat Cadiz, which put them on top. Um, Girona played on Monday. They managed to draw, so they didn't lose, but that uh, put them on the level points on Real Madrid behind on goal difference. This weekend, we've got a full fixture list lined up as well. Probably the most interesting match from... Uh, any well, neutral's point of view is on Sunday evening at uh, eight o'clock. I think this is UK time, so Sunday the third of December, Barcelona against Atletico Madrid. That should be a good one. Okay, well in that case, uh, we're going to look at uh, Premier League next. Okay, so uh, we've got some very interesting. Uh, work to do as we look back and uh, then we will be predicting a little later but we start off and Man City were playing Liverpool uh, I predicted a 2-2 two, a two. you said that Man City would win um, but it ended up as a draw 1-1 one, one. Um, the first goal fairly predictable in the respect that um, you had Haaland, obviously, um, coming up with the goods. Uh, but I didn't think many people expected Alexander-Arnold to come up with a really class uh, equaliser. But um, I thought it was a good game. I thought it looked pretty obvious to me that Alisson had had a long trip back. I mean, you know, when you look at the travel implications coming from uh, Brazil and the games over there... Uh, across to the Premier League. It is quite a long trip um, and it must have affected some of the players elsewhere. Your thoughts on that game? Well, Vince, um, you wrote down as a draw, didn't you? Um, I thought uh, Man City had actually shared it. But um, I didn't actually watch the match. I listened to it live on uh, Radio Live, 5 Live, um, at Saturday lunchtime. And it seemed like a fair result to me, the one-all draw. And, uh, yeah, Alexander Arnold... Um, he, as we've spoken about before, he's a good win back, isn't he? He's better up front than he is um, as a defender, I think. And it was good for him to get a goal in. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed the match. I watched it on catch up as well, and I think it was a fair result, one on. Yeah, uh, there's a very exciting winger that Man City have got at the moment. Um, it's um, great to watch him. But we'll go next to uh, Luton playing Crystal Palace. Now, you got the uh, score absolutely spot on, 2-1. I thought it'd be a draw. So, um, Luton, Crystal Palace. Give me your thoughts on that one. Yeah, well, I thought Luton... Luton um have already, Garth Crooks, the, um, well, the ex-footballer and now commentator, pundit, has uh, been uh, slated in the news this week because he's already stated before Christmas that Luton are going to get relegated. Now, it's too early to do that, but it does look like Luton um, are going to possibly get relegated. But they're still digging in. They played at home against Crystal Palace, put on a good show in front of the home crowd and won it 2-1. Um, so I'm, I'm pleased that not, none of the teams have given up. And obviously going to fight till the end, but uh, yeah, I got that one uh, bound, didn't I? 
Okay, we will go to um, up to the North East and Newcastle United. Um, you thought they'd beat Chelsea 3-1. And I thought uh, Chelsea need to do something. Um, I, I thought it could have been a very high-scoring 3-3. As it was, Newcastle 4, Chelsea 1. Quite a, a strong result, that. And it does show you there's something going on at Chelsea that, at the moment, on the on the field of play, they don't seem to be able to address. Um, give us your thoughts on that one. No, Chelsea. Uh, well, Newcastle, first of all. I mean, Newcastle um, were, were on fire that match. Uh, it went to 1-1, but then after that, it was all Newcastle all the way. Um, it ended up 4-1, as you say. But Chelsea... Um, are having an unusual season, aren't they, really? Because they've had some big results in their favour as well. Um, but then they go up to Newcastle, which is always a difficult place to play at St James's Park. But uh, then get beaten 4-1. There seems to be no um, equilibrium at, at Chelsea at all. And uh, I don't think they're going to do anything this season. I don't think they get a European place either, to be honest, like they didn't do last season. Uh, I think it's all... Everything's gone um, awry at uh, Chelsea at the moment, I think. Well, it, it's uh, very sad. I mean, I've got a, a, a real hot Chelsea uh, supporter uh, living uh, a couple of doors away from me. And obviously, you know, I would like his club to uh, at least repay his loyalty. And at the moment, um, it just seems absolutely strange. But OK, how bizarre as we move to Nottingham Forest. Uh, now, the visitors were Brighton. And uh, I forecast uh, Brighton to win this away from home. Uh, 3-1, I thought. And you thought it was going to be closer. You guessed a 2-2. So, um, in actual fact, it was a close game. But, uh, as uh, I thought, Brighton should have won and they did win. Uh, Nottingham Forest, though, they're no mugs because I know when they came to Anfield, I was very disillusioned by what I saw, but I've seen them a couple of times that uh, I thought they, they're not a bad outfit. You, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, Nottingham Forest did capitulate in the uh, Anfield, um, and I don't know why either, because they normally fight. But, um, yeah, Forrester fighters, they're not in a, any sort of danger at the moment, and hopefully they'll keep themselves out of danger as far as their supporters are concerned, at least. And Brighton have been going through a bit of a dodgy patch. But, um, yeah, you predicted Brighton. And um, having watched the match, um, the, sort of, the long catch-up version of the match, uh, I think you were right. Uh, Brighton did deserve to win it. But uh, Forrest gave a, good, gave a good fight for it, didn't they? Gave a good uh, run for the money. OK. And just to show you that Rob doesn't have uh, the, the rights on predicting the scores correctly, um, Burnley uh, were playing West Aim. I predicted West Ham to win this one 2-1 away from home, which they did. I see a 1-1 was predicted by Rob. Uh, the frailties at the back for Burnley are quite strange because they have Vincent Company, a very, very accomplished uh, footballer himself in defence for Manchester City, a very, very nice and eloquent man, uh, always the first to defend his players. Um, but, you know, they've still got this problem at the back. So, uh, your thoughts on that one? Well, yeah, Bur Burnley's defence is um, full of holes, isn't it? And I don't know why that uh, why that should be. As you say, Vincent Kupney is a very uh, accomplished defender himself and you'd think that would be his field of expertise. But um, it, isn't, it doesn't seem to be. Burnley went ahead, actually. Burnley went ahead just uh, into the second half. And they managed to stay there until uh, the 86th minute when uh, there was an own goal by a Burnley player. And then uh, Thomas Tuchek got the winner in 90 plus one. So Burnley held on for uh, the whole of the second half until the last five minutes before the end. And um, West Ham are a good team and they uh, obviously waited until they got the opportunity and just bang bang two goals and got the three points Burnley are not doing well at all either this season Vince no uh, missing Sean Dyche as we look next to uh, the foot of the table and Sheffield United um, for me I could see Bournemouth going and winning that one I thought 2-1 uh, it was actually 3-1 uh, but you'd predicted it the other way around you thought Sheffield United would, would come good um, which you know again I can understand your thinking but I just saw I saw something in Bournemouth they're, they're not a bad little team actually No Bournemouth a good team um, 
But uh, it's a long way to travel up to Sheffield. And Sheffield United playing at home, they've got to do something, haven't they, Vince? I mean, they're in a very, very uh, precarious situation at Sheffield United. And they just don't seem to manage to uh, get their season off to off to a start, have they, yet? No. And we're already 14 matches in. So that's the reason why I uh, went for Sheffield United, really, is because they're playing at home. Um, they've got to do something. But they didn't, and you were right. You got the uh, result correct. OK, we move to a London derby next. And Brentford were hosting Arsenal. Now, uh, I saw a goal in it. You saw a goal in it. Uh, so we both agreed that Arsenal would win. It was only one goal, so we, we really we, we were quite spot on. It was just that the Brentford attack sort of was fizzling out. Uh, so uh, well done to both of us for that one, and not an mm. easy game for Arsenal. No, it wasn't. I mean, it was it was nil nil until the 89th minute, Min. So uh, it could have been a point each quite easily, but Kai Havertz got a goal in, in the 89th. And a lot of these goals, I think they all probably always have them statistically. Uh, I haven't looked at the statistics from many years ago. But um, it does seem at the moment that uh, there are plenty of goals coming in the last few minutes, and especially the 90-plus um, time, when they're giving this extra time added on. Um, but yeah, 89th-minute goal, got Arsenal the points. But at the end of the day, they got the goal. It's all working out well for the conspiracy theorists, uh, anybody else who thinks like me. Um, you can see the number of late goals becoming quite interesting. As we go uh, to Spurs next, where I watched this game in its entirety and Spurs were entertaining Aston Villa. Now, um, in actual fact, I did think that Spurs had to uh, come up with the goods uh, because, you know, they, they've been sort of hit and miss uh, and they were at home. You quite rightly saw it as a 1-2 so, um, Villa, I think, uh, certainly are a very good team under uh, Emery. I do think that uh, whatever the paper is he puts up on the wall, the Emery paper is working well, isn't it? It certainly is, Vince, yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought Villa because um, Spurs, as we mentioned before, they, uh, I think they're early, um, when they were at the top of the uh, Premier League to start off with, I think a lot of that was due to either luck or good fortune, should we say. Um, and Aston Villa, now after beating uh, Spurs at the weekend, are now in the Champions League position. They're in fourth. And I was aware of the fact that they were um, playing for that position. And uh, I think Unai Emery has really um, got uh, Aston Villa working very, very well together. And Spurs, they're always on the verge of the wheels falling off. And um, they've lost the three, last three matches in a row of Spurs. So they're on a downhill slope, if you like. But yeah, I was pleased to get that one exactly right, Vince, uh, because I know that it was one that was possibly a bit of a surprise. But yeah, um, Spurs won, Aston Villa two. OK, one eye on the clock now, as I tell you that Everton, obviously the fans were out supporting their club quite rightly. Absolutely disgraceful the way Everton have been deducted points. Um, more, more importantly, on the field, uh, I did think that um, you know a draw would be a, a sort of result that I'd expect. You thought Everton would win, but it was a phenomenal goal by Camacho. I think his name is uh, the young Spanish lad playing for Manchester United. Uh, got them off to a fantastic start, and Manchester United quite comfortable in the end, uh, winning by three uh, nil. Did you see the Camacho goal? I only saw on catch-up, Vince, but, um, yeah, it, it was a fantastic goal. And, um, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's Spanish, he's from Madrid, and he's only 19 years old. And um, he's one to watch out for for the future, definitely. I mean, uh, 19 years old, playing for Man United, he should have a good future in front of him. OK. Um, the last... Yeah, Man United, um, they did deserve to win it, didn't they? And I think uh, Everton... This week, we'll have to see what they do. But I think they were still reeling, really, from the 12-point um, deduction. OK, Rob, we've got to put it... Uh, it's, affect, it's affected the players more than anybody else, I would say, because they're the ones who are going to have to dig themselves back out of it. We've got to put a bit of pace into this now because we're coming up to okay, okay. we're coming up to 10 minutes, but three penalties were awarded on Monday night. This was the game between Fulham and Wolves. The first helped Fulham take a 2-1 lead after uh, uh, Nelson Semedo caught Tom Kearney in the area. 
But then a lengthy VAR check upheld Salisbury's decision to award a spot kick. OK, um, the second came 15 minutes later as Tim Ream caught Wolves' Huang he Chen, uh, who scored to make it 2-2. Fulham then took all three points in stoppage time. Oh, there we go. Stoppage time and another penalty, the third of the match. Um, and quite honestly, I think the manager was absolutely right where he's talking about this is spoiling. Uh, well, uh, Wolves manager Gary O'Neill said bad refereeing decisions are affecting reputations and livelihoods. Uh, so the video really up the creek without its customary paddle, but then we're all getting used to that. Um, Rob, a quick word, please. Here we go. Well, a penalty in the 90 plus four minute, Vince, um, that won the match says it all, doesn't it? What we've just been speaking about, uh, the, ma- the goals come right at the end of the match. And yeah, I think I think Wolves were unfairly treated, I was thinking, that match. Absolutely. Okay, now then, uh, we've got to go to uh, predictions now for the coming Saturday. First game is sort of a London derby, Luton just a little bit away, but um, Brentford uh, at home to Luton. You've um, got something up your sleeve probably to tell me uh, as you predict this this score. Right, now Brentford against Luton. Um, there, there isn't an early kickoff actually this match, Vince. The uh, most of the matches kick off on Saturday at four o'clock, so there isn't a lunchtime match. Okay. Difficult to predict this one, but Luton away from home. I can't see Luton doing it. I think it's going to be a two-one to Brentford, Vince. I've put exactly the same score down as we go to Man City at a home against Spurs. The visitors should be a good game this one. It should be, actually, Vince, yes. Um, and that's the way with Spurs' form being uh, up and down, um, if they're on good form, they could give City a really good run for their money. If they're on bad form, they could get slaughtered. But I'm going to put it down, um, initially, Vince, I'm going to put, well, initially, I'm going to put it down as a 3-1 to City, Vince. I've put exactly the same score, so we're obviously <laughs> <coughs> some psychic activity going as we go to Burnley next against Sheffield. This will be a struggle. Uh, give us your thoughts on this one. Well, this is <clears throat> this is a bottom of the table clash, isn't it, Vince? Um, it is. It's a literal. Well, um, Everton are in the middle now with their points deduction, but it is a bottom of the table clash. Um, it's too well, I'm going to put it down. It's difficult to say because they're both as bad as each other, aren't they? Really, but I'm going to put it down as Burnley two, Sheffield United two. Okay, and I've put it down as 1-1. So we're right in the middle with everything at the moment. West Ham, uh, London Derby against Crystal Palace. Give us your thoughts on that one. Right, well, West Ham um, are doing quite well at the moment. And uh, Palace with a boy there, they're not going to give up. But I can't see uh, Palace actually doing this. I've got this down as a 3-1 to West Ham, Vince. 3-1 to West Ham. I go for a 2-2. So uh, we have at least a difference of opinion on one game. Liverpool, they entertain Fulham. And one of the Fulham lads who went to Liverpool, Cavallo, I think his name is, came on as a substitute for Leipzig or Leipzig. You told me Leipzig, so we'll keep... Leipzig, Leipzig, yeah. We'll go with you because you've lived in Germany and worked there. So um, give us your thoughts. Liverpool, Fulham. Right, well, full A, I'm out. I've been a particularly good season. Vince are in the, the bottom half of the table. Liverpool sometimes don't convince, but I think they'll do this one. I think they'll do this 2 0. Okay, I've put 2 1, by the way. So um, we're, we're thinking alike as we go to Arsenal. Now, Wolves will be. Well, they must feel like packing it in. If you've got, um, you know, all these goals coming in uh, via VAR. Um, Arsenal, sometimes flatter to deceive. Uh, give us your thoughts on this game, please, at the Emirates. Well, Wolves will be gnashing their teeth, what they've been saying. I think this, uh, Wolves have been unfairly treated on, on more than one occasion, I would say. Um, especially in the last match we've just spoken about. But Arsenal are Arsenal, playing at home. I can see Wolves getting... I I think this could be a big goal match, actually. I think this could go to 3-2. Okay, well, I've got 2-1, so we both see it the same way. Uh, So it's a tale of two draws in that respect then. So uh, good luck to Wolves um, as we go to Bournemouth. Now, 
big game. They're hosting Aston Villa. Villa, obviously, uh, we've talked about uh, the Emery paper. And um, I like Bournemouth with Solanke in particular. So uh, give us your thoughts on that one. Well, yes, Villa uh, are on a run at the moment, aren't they? But um, Bournemouth aren't particularly doing well at this time of the season. But um, playing at home, Bournemouth, they're going to give the best they've got. And I think this could be a draw. I think, uh, yeah, I, I on paper you'd think Villa would win it, but I've got this down to two all wins. OK, well, I've gone 1-2, so um, we, oh. do, we do have a couple of differences. Uh, as we go to Chelsea... Uh, now, this is like a derby because Brighton and the visitors just down the road, you might remember the, there's a London-Brighton rally every year. So uh, they are sort of connections if you look for them. Um, Chelsea, uh, they're not playing as well as they should. Brighton, they're, not, they're no mugs the, these days. So give us your thoughts on that one. Yes, I mean, it's classed as a derby, isn't it? Because uh, the Chelsea-Brighton match. Um, Chelsea... 10th position at the moment, not really doing very much. But Brighton, after a bright start, are also an 8th position. So they're not doing as well as people thought they would do, or as I thought they would do at least. Um, I still Chelsea. Uh, uh, I think that uh, this will be a one-all draw, Vince. OK, well, again, we see it differently because I think Brighton will win this one 3-1. Um, you know, uh, I won't be surprised if, if it goes the other way um, because, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're really predicting unpredictability at the moment. So uh, we go to... Not- Seems like Chelsea is very, very difficult, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, we go to Nottingham next and the visitors are Everton. The fans are well behind Everton. I was watching the uh, way that they're, they're, they're absolutely... Uh, really angry they've picked on the wrong club really I think the football league because quite frankly uh, Liverpool in its um, population have a tradition of being uh, decimated through the the, the blitz and obviously um, they're not going to take it lying down because you know it's taken many years for other things to uh, become what it should have become uh, through the courts. So I'll be surprised if this one is uh, not, again, a big uh, demonstration before the game. Anyway, give us the thoughts. Nottingham versus Everton. Well, um, I, th- I think most neutrals, Vince, as well, I think, um, feel quite uh, strongly about the Everton situation. It's not fair on them at all. Um, and now they've got to dig themselves out um, from a second bottom position. Forest fight and Everton should be back on form again now. They've got Sean Dice in charge, and he's not going to let them sit around uh, for very long, um, <laughs> crying in the spilt milk, if you like. But uh, I can see this being a draw, Vince. I can see this being a two-all. OK, I've got a 1-1, so we think the same. As we come to the last two minutes of predicting and the podcast we go to Newcastle the visitors are Manchester United now this could be a very very tasty game but uh, what's your thoughts on it this could be a really good match couldn't it Vince Uh, Man United in six Newcastle in seventh only one point difference between them Um, I would say Newcastle playing at home um, at St James's Park I think Newcastle should do this, um, but it's very difficult to predict. So I'll put this down as a 2-1 to Newcastle, Vince. OK, I'm going to see it differently. I'm going to see a big score from Newcastle, 4-2. So, um, we've got through the predictions. We've got through everything that we wanted to talk about. Um, We haven't been as interrupted as maybe uh, we could have been if we'd been mentioning certain parts of the world and certain other things. But um, all in all... I'm quite satisfied with what we've done this morning. And I think if people do start looking at the dots and (coughs) joining them up, I really do get quite cross when right in the middle of adverts for men's football, you get a, a ladies game dropped in. I mean, you know, wise up to these TV advertising companies. It's all... May mind games and the ladies' success at the moment is riding very much on the backs of the men's game. Um, okay, uh, I'm not telling you I'm right, that's my suspicions. Rob, 30, 30 seconds to finish the podcast. 
Well, Vince, um, that hour went past very quickly, didn't it? And I think we covered some very interesting topics. Um, I've enjoyed it, and I hope that all the listeners have as well. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think we've done a good job this, this morning, Vince. Okay, and with those words from Rob, we finish this week's podcast. Uh, please join up the dots. They're all there for everybody to see. Petrol. American interference. Shake your... No, never mind, we're not going there. We're saying goodbye. Catch you next week. Thanks, Rob. Cheers, Rich. My pleasure, always.